Some of you may be old enough to remember that back in May of 1970, an F5 tornado went through downtown Lubbock, Texas. Do any of you remember that? A few, yeah, a few do. Um, it destroyed nearly everything in its path. Um, interestingly, one rather tall building was left standing. It was the home office of an insurance company. But the tornado was so incredibly powerful that it twisted this skyscraper on its base. And yes, yet it was still standing. So for years, that skyscraper was kind of a tourist attraction for Lubbock, if you will. Well, a woman whom I knew many years later as a journalism professor at Texas Tech in May of 1970 was a young reporter at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, which is the local newspaper. And she said that the newspaper offices were really uh, hit hard by the tornado. All the glass was blown out, furniture overturned, papers everywhere, and they also lost their printing presses, which is serious for a newspaper. So the morning after the tornado, the staff came in to the newspaper offices to begin cleaning up and this young reporter was pushing a broom across the floor when she looked up and through the hole where the front door had been came two ladies dressed in their Sunday best. Hats, gloves, pantyhose, high heels, clutching their purses very tight as they tiptoed gingerly through the shards of glass. So she put down her broom and went over and said, can I help you? And one of them said yes. We are from the Lubbock Garden Club, and we're here to have our picture made for the paper. <laughs> and the reporter thought in her mind, are they blind? Can they not see what has gone on here? But she was kind, and she said, um, well, I, I'm so sorry. As you can see, a tornado has hit our building it's a little bit of a mess, so we're not going to be able to take your picture today. And the woman was very offended and said, well then, can you tell me when our picture will be made for the paper? It's amazing, isn't it, friends, what we see and what we don't see? You know, we think we're physically seeing what's going on, but somehow we are actually blind because of our own agendas and interests and prejudices, what we've got going on in our own head. We think we can see, but we are actually practicing what I call selective sight. It's as if we are spiritually blind. Well, our text this morning is a story about the healing of spiritual blindness, but because it also involves the restoration of physical sight, a lot of us miss that deeper meaning and to be fair, I think one of the reasons that we miss that deeper meaning is because we don't understand the I today the same way that the ancients did. In, in today's world, we think of the I as operating like a window, right? Where light comes in and then that allows us to see. But in the ancient world, they understood the I to be more like a lamp, that the inner light of a person was projected through the eye out into the world, kind of like a flashlight, and then you could see. So if a person was blind in the ancient world, it was assumed then that darkness and chaos reigned within them, and they needed spiritual healing to be able to see. And so, when Barnabas comes to Jesus and asks, 
that he might be able to see again. He is asking for more than just the restoration of, of this physical sight. He's asking for spiritual healing, for his inner light to be restored. And that is the reason, friends, that Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what is it that you want me to do for you? Do you notice that question in the text? Every time I read this story, that question strikes me as so interesting. Because here is this blind man who has come to Jesus and is standing there, and then Jesus says, what is it that you want me to do for you? And I always think, oh, now come on, Jesus, what do you think he wants? He can't see. But Jesus has a good reason for asking this. He knows that Bartimaeus is asking for that spiritual healing to have his inner light restored. And if that inner light is restored, that means that Bartimaeus will really see. He will see the world as Jesus sees the world. And it takes courage to claim that gift and see like that because when we see the way Jesus sees, then it's going to cut through our personal agenda and our prejudices and the things we've got going on in our own head. And it can push us to not just think differently and feel differently, but live differently. It does take courage to see like that. It makes some folks very uncomfortable. And For that reason, then, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He wants to make sure Bartimaeus is up for it. You see, there are people even today, friends, that will say they want to see. But when it gets right down to it, they really don't. They would rather remain in a familiar spiritual darkness. We know how this works, right? We know how this works. We all have certain truths that we hold very close to our heart. Sometimes we've held those truths there for a very, very long time. And then we see something in the world that challenges what we think the truth is, and it makes us very upset. So the first thing we do is begin tying everything we see in knots to try to fit the truth that we already hold. And if that doesn't work, well, then we can just deny the whole thing altogether. Copernicus said, the earth revolves around the sun. And everyone said, no, that's not true. And then Galileo came along and he said, the earth revolves around the sun. And everybody said, no, that's not true. And Galileo said, here, look through this telescope. And they covered their eyes and said, what telescope? It's like a woman I worked with many years ago whose truth was that any person of color, meaning anybody who wasn't white, wasn't smart enough to be a good doctor. Now, she didn't come right out and say it that way. What she said in a corporate meeting with many, many people present as we were going over our insurance benefits was that she was very disappointed because so many of the doctors on the list were foreigners. And they had names she couldn't pronounce. And they went to colleges she didn't know. And she had been to some of their offices and they were all dirty. Every single person sitting there knew exactly what she was saying. But she sat there perfectly content. Smile on her face. Blind to her own prejudice. Comfortable in that familiar darkness. Now, it it takes courage, friends, to really see 
it takes courage. It will push us. It will make us uncomfortable to really see. So the question is, to see or not to see? That really is the question. And we, we hear this story of Bartimaeus, and I don't know about you, but I love this story. It's a wonderful story. It's a happy story. Here is a man who is blind, who comes to the Lord and asks for healing, and the Lord hears him and heals him, restores that inner light. And then Bartimaeus, who can see the truth, well, he follows Jesus along the way because when you can really see, it turns out that following Jesus is the only way to go. So it's a wonderful story, and I think a lot of us hear it and think, well, I want to be like Bartimaeus. I want to really see. I want to see the way Jesus sees. But friends, do we really? To see or not to see? That is the question. And Jesus will give us the gift if we ask for it and we're willing to embrace it. But embracing it can be so hard. Because if we really see, as Jesus sees, well then, that might mean that we could see the pain and the brokenness and the humanity of our enemies, which makes it very hard to hate them. And it could mean that we see not only the reality of poverty and the suffering that it causes, but the deeper reasons that it often exists. Really seeing might mean that we can see that there is generational cyclical poverty that traps people. And that racism and marginalization and oppression play a role in keeping people poor. And then when we see that, it makes it really hard not to do anything about it. So that'll push us. And then, of course, too, if we see as Jesus sees, that means seeing ourselves in his light. It means seeing our sin and our smallness. But it also means seeing the goodness that God plants in every human heart, even our own. It means seeing how beautiful we are in God's sight. It also means seeing the tremendous God-given capacity we have to do good in the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, seeing as Jesus sees changes everything. It'll turn your world upside down. Are you up for that? Because it means seeing the good and the bad and the beautiful and the terrible in everything, in the whole world and even in yourself and in responding to it the way Christ would have you respond. Church, are you up for that? Do we really want to see in that way? Because it will push us. It will push us so hard. And not always in big dramatic ways, but sometimes it will push us just in the ordinary interactions we have with regular people every single day. 
You know, one of my very favorite pastors and preachers and human beings was Reverend James W. Moore, who is now deceased, um, but was for many years the pastor at St. Luke's in Houston, huge church, this amazing author and pastor. And I got to know Jim in his retirement, and he was such a great storyteller. And he told this story that I, I want to share with you. Jim said there was a little boy who went out to a restaurant with his family for dinner. And they sat down, and before they ordered, the little boy asked his mother if he could say grace. So he folded his little hands, and very loudly, where everyone could hear, he prayed, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. Please let mom order ice cream for dessert with liberty and justice for all, amen. (laughs) And there were many smiles and some laughter, little applause at the table around. But there was one woman sitting at a table near who did not look pleased. She actually looked angry. She said very loudly, well, I never. It's just ridiculous ordering ice cream from God. Kids are spoiled rotten today. And the little boy heard this, and he began to cry, and he said to his mom, Mom, did I do it wrong? Is God mad at me? And she leaned over and patted his hand and said, No, honey, you prayed a beautiful prayer. I'm very proud of you. And then she gave the woman the death ray. Yeah. Well, of course, then, she ordered ice cream for dessert, came to the little boy, and before he could dig in, an elderly man at another table came over and winked at him and said, you know, I think you prayed a great prayer. Ice cream is good for the soul sometimes. So the little boy then picked up his bowl of ice cream, and he took it to that woman at the next table and put it in front of her. And he said, here, here's some ice cream. It's good for the soul sometimes, and my soul's pretty good. (laughs) So I want you to have this. And people at all the tables around them broke into applause, and the little boy went and sat down, and I think somewhere in heaven, Jesus was smiling. Because that little boy had the courage to see, as Jesus sees, his inner light was working so well. Everybody else saw a bitter woman who needed to mind her own business. But he saw a human being whose soul needed tending. And he responded with generosity and with grace. Perhaps, friends, the ancients were right. Maybe the eye does work like a lamp in our inner light. God-given light, then shines through out into the world, enabling us to truly see. Jesus is the one who can turn on that light, you know. The question is whether we want to see like that or not. To see or not to see. That is the question. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, source of love and light, all praise to you, all glory to you, for you are 
the one who lights up the world and enables us by your flame to see what is good and right and true. Lord, give us courage and strength to embrace the gift of sight that you offer. And then like our friend Bartimaeus, may we follow you along the way. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.